Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is what is a works council and why does it matter when expanding into the EU? Our expert today is Nathan North. He's the director of global payroll at Global Upside. So Nathan oversees payroll processing for over 5,000 employees from different clients across 45 countries. Now today we're going to talk about these work councils, primarily in the EU, what they are and why they matter much more than most companies are prepared for when entering into foreign markets primarily the EU and countries such as Germany, UK, Belgium, Italy, Luxembourg, Austria, France, and Spain. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anke. I'm happy to be here. All right. So, Nathan, exactly what is a works council and how is that different from a trade union? So, Anke, the work council is an organization that is comprised of workers at the company. Now, it, you know, obviously, it depends via uh, via country by country. So the EU has standards um, and really more so general standards of when a company needs to um, create a work council. However, the specific countries also have their requirements. And so we want to look at making sure that our, you know, clients are compliant with both the EU and the specific country that they're entering in. Um, typically, the workers are voted in for a four-year term. Um, they're part of the company's decision-making body. Um, they may or may not represent a trade union at the local company um, level. Trade unions are industry-wide political and economic organizations. So they're not into the ground level items that are happening in, within a company. They are, um, they represent many different companies and employees from a political and economic standpoint. Very interesting. So you had mentioned that these folks that, that, you know, get onto a works council are actually involved in the company's decision making. So what are the sorts of topics that they will have influence on? <laughs> um, so it depends on the size of the company, um, depends on the country, um, but what I can do is um, tell you just a couple brief stories of how this has an effect um, on how it's hard for companies to comply, especially um, coming from, let's say, the U.S. or coming from outside the EU going into um, Europe. So... Um, one of the stories I'll tell you is regarding a merger and acquisition. In the company um, that was spinning off employees into a new organization, they had thousands upon thousands of employees. 
And so they were completely set up. They had their work council. Everything was, you know, working great. Um, then the employees that were spun off were literally, they have to go through the complete process again. What's often missed is that what are the requirements, again, from the EU standards versus the country standards? Yeah, I imagine it's really hard for a U.S. company, for example, because that's just so unfamiliar, right? We wouldn't even know that that's really important to pay attention to. Exactly. And so the employees will start to ask, and in this situation, they were shut down completely. And that so the company it, was shut down by the works councils? Or? No, no. Oh. The employees were shut down by company management saying, oh, mm. no, no, we don't need to do this. You know, um, we don't have thousands of employees. And from a EU standard, that's absolutely correct. But from a country standard, that wasn't correct because the minimum was 100 employees. Interesting. So in that you have the situation of that is one of the hardest uh, points is to understand why we need a work council what are the standards of the work council what are they going to cover um you know such as pay levels hiring criteria benefits you know in the sad event there's um layoffs or even you know in some countries company strategy um, I can give you the example of Germany where, you know, they um, authorize and appoint those that are on the board of directors. So that's very powerful, isn't it? Yes. Um, the second level that, uh, and second story, um, short story that I'll tell is of another organization that unfortunately um, had the situations of layoffs mm. and layoffs or closing a company that has a work council is extremely challenging um, because the work council does hold a lot of power and there is data that must be disclosed depending on the country of the reason for the layoff or a complete shutdown. Um, and what is, you know, what are the payouts going to be for the employees? Uh, what are, you know, how many months are they going to have supplemental benefits, for example? Um, and so this company had a really hard time working through a process from a, you know, US standpoint. And really understanding that, yeah, the work council does have this authority. Mm -hmm. Somewhat un unexpected and really doesn't leave that much open negotiation, right? It's like pretty detailed around what they need to do in different situations, whether it's hiring people or um, changing corporate strategy or having layoffs. It's already fairly decided, isn't it? Correct. Correct. Which, of course, is opposite of anything, you know, that companies are familiar with. They wouldn't expect that. Right? No, no. Now, so you have these work councils and 
why are they set up and what are the benefits for having work councils? I'm, I'm just curious about kind of the intent, if you will. Yeah, so you have, um, and I'm gonna give uh, France as an example. Um, you know, France and Germany have the most data in regards to, you know, what are the benefits or, you know, what are some of the continual challenges? Uh, because just because there's a work council does not mean that there's not a collective bargaining agreement as well. So then you have an additional component on top of, you know, you have an employee entering the company, negotiating their wages. That's level number one. Level number two, you have the collective bargaining agreement. Level number three, you have then the work councils. So there's a lot of compliance that has to be reviewed even before hiring an employee because um, even though the work councils promote higher wages um, and even more than uh, what an employee would get during collective bargaining, um, they, you have to maintain a good, management has to maintain a good relationship with work councils. If they maintain a good working relationship with the work councils, this really solves a lot of tough challenges when they arise, just like 2008. Um, if it wasn't for a lot of companies having good relationships with their work councils and ultimately their employees, they were able to work through how to get through the downturn in 2008. Interesting. So really having this language, if you will, and process to communicate and collaborate even in difficult times makes you know it's kind of one of those reasons why they have them would you also say that maybe they help um maybe people that are you know whether it's like women and foreign workers and disabled like do they have a little bit more um fairness built in in some ways does that impact yeah, there is an impact to, um, you know, really having a, an organization um, that, you know, has the diversity, but not only that, when you have a place for the employees to go to, um, and, a, you know, group of people to go to, and, and it may be just something they're not understanding, um, productivity goes mm. up mm -hmm. um, and you know what we're finding out more and more each year is that the foreign workers you know women men um, are able to go to the work council and say hey you know it would be better for us to and we would you know save the company xyz dollars if we do this or Hey, you know, has the company ever thought of X, Y, Z instead of directly going to management, which, you know, really could be really intimidating mm -hmm. um, for, you know, all workers at times. Um, but, you know, the company does have to correlate between, you know, the level of profitability. 
because higher wages does lower profitability of the companies, uh, which doesn't you know affect the investors, um, and there may not be as many benefits in the smaller companies as in larger ones due to the fact that it's not affordable. So, you know, you've got pros and cons on the one side, you've got maybe more productivity, you've got more fairness, you've got people feeling more comfortable, but on the other side, because they do negotiate higher wages, that they are also maybe not going to have that same level of profitability. And, you know, that's actually another big point, I think, for especially U.S. companies or foreign companies when they model out their investments is just recognizing that those margins might be a little tighter, right? Correct. Correct. You know, one of the countries, and you had mentioned this earlier, that is got kind of, you know, unique setups is, is, is Germany. And I was doing a little homework on this, and it's something we've heard a number of times, and I'm not sure that I fully understand it, but there's this concept called co-determination or Mitbestimmung. So hmm. it's kind of this even more robust version of a typical works council, if you will. And can you share a little bit about what that is and how it applies? Because I am I think I understand a little bit, but I'm not sure that I get kind of the, the scope of it. Just in my opinion, Germany has one of the most um, seamless and well um, per, well-produced programs of setting up work councils and operating work councils. Um, and in most companies nowadays, um, there are, uh, or the employees are not even employing collective bargaining agreements. So in the recent years, there's been a huge decline in union membership. So what the unions were originally afraid of in the 1920s has not happened until, um, and we have not seen it until the recent uh, years. Um, and, and is that so, because they are so collaborative and it's working really well at the local company level that they almost don't need the industry level? Is that what you're thinking or what might that be? Yes. So the works uh, councils are working so well mm-hmm. uh, and management is working so well with the work council. And, and you know, um, to give you an example, um, you know, any company with more than 2000 employees in Germany can elect up to half of the members of that company's supervisory board of directors. Oh, wow. So it gives workers a powerful say in, in how the companies are run. Um, and that in itself, you know, really sets the tone. And, you know, addressing your, you know, initial question, uh, co-determination in Germany is basically a concept that involves the right of workers to participate in management of the companies they work for. So instead of creating the chasm that we normally see between employees and management, you actually have a merging of the employees into. So really, we talk in the U.S. about organic growth. Mm-hmm. So you know that's a buzzword or you know words. 
um, we're going to hire within and, you know, our management is going to be hired from within. Now, that's not always something that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but Germany has found a great way of doing it through the work councils. And so as a result, um, this, you know, has, and there's a lot of information and, um, you know, we could talk, you know, just a whole um, 30 minutes or an hour just on Germany. Um, But, um, you know, again, in Germany, there's actually, you know, there's data behind work councils being shown to help um, women and help foreign workers um, at a higher rate compared to um, the West German men. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talk a lot about diversity here in the US. The tool that most European companies are using for making sure that they are diverse is through the employees themselves, through the work councils. I think what I like about this is that, you know, oftentimes in companies you have this misalignment between what the corporate initiatives are and what the employees initiatives are and where, and then the things that they prioritize and what they find important. Whereas if they're co-determining their path, then they have to be aligned, right? They have to have had that conversation and those conversations don't always happen here. And I like that they're actually being put in the forefront. They, the employees recognize the challenges that management has. They they are on board with sometimes those tough decisions, right? Because they're included in making those tough decisions. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So that working relationship is probably key. Do you have you seen where that working relationship maybe doesn't work as well? Or, um... Yeah. I mean, you know, we're human nature comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you gave a good um, example, Anke, about talking about the chasm that we see here in the U.S. Um, now, there's companies here in the U.S. that the employees and management will talk, and they'll co-determine. And I'm putting that in quotation marks. The um, let's say the goals for the year. However, where resources are given, whether it's um, budgets, whether it's personnel, whether it's, you know, additional resources outside the company, um, you name it, that's where a lot of companies get misaligned. Uh Um, And so if I turn this over into, um, have I seen where there's... um, um, challenges between management and um, the work council. Um, if I speak again about Germany, for example, the way things are built, um, you really you really can't get away from it. You may not like each other because you know really at the end of the day, the management team or teams you know all the way to executive branch they're they have to not only please the employees but they're also having to please the investors sure even if the, even if they're private company mm-hmm. doesn't matter so then they're on 
you know, kind of this tightrope of knowing they have to comply with some of these items. Now, there's items that a work council can bring up that the company is not bound to implement. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's due to budget, you know, they have to have a good reason. It can't be just because they don't want to. Sure. Um, so in, in that regard, um, yes. And when there is um, challenges between management and the employees work council, um, it could create a tough environment within the company, but usually it works itself out. Well, because in the, both it's in par- their interest to do that, right? Exactly. And both parties have to resolve it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so they've got these work councils. I would imagine there are some costs associated with running them, whether it's the just the time that people have to spend on this or do they get compensated or is this a, a volunteer position for four years? Like, what are some of the things that companies should be aware of just as far as just the, the costs of running these work councils? So it depends on the country. If you have, you know, for example, you have to pay an employee mm-hmm. for their time on the work council. Um, so they continue so, to get paid. It's an, and it's just the yeah, same. As it's just the job. same as getting paid. But okay. then there are um, rules that are put in place that, you know, they have to spend like France, they have to spend at least 20 hours of delegation per month. Mm-hmm. And depending on the CBA they're under or depending on what the work council has um, uh, negotiated, um, they do get paid because a lot of times those 20 hours are usually spent, um, not always during work hours. Mm-hmm. So your, your daily um, working hours. Um, and so that would be, you know, in all sense, they need to, you know, be paid. And so if they're working 20 hours over and, you know, that's 20 hours over the standard hours of the month, then there's, you know, um, you have to pay them over and above. It's not just straight time. Right. (laughs) So there's that. And then, um, you know, as far as, you know, yes, higher wages comes into play, more benefits come into play. Um, but most work folks on the work councils are pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, they know, look, if they push wages too high, they push benefits too high, um, they're going to be without a job. Right, it harms their jobs and their company. Yeah. So they, but they know enough about the company to see that, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, this is such an interesting topic, and I imagine there we could talk about this for hours. But for this podcast specifically, is there anything else that our listeners should know about work counts, works councils? You know, before they go and and you know any kind of whether it's a warning or whether it's advice or, you know, how, or how might they learn more? Like what, what should they know before they, they kind of jump in feet first? 
So a lot of what um, we see is a lot of companies just want to jump into a, a particular country. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, you know, companies that are only going to have a couple of employees. Work, you know, really work councils do not apply to them. Right. And so um, it's understanding when work councils come into play and being proactive and already having in play that the employees and the employees have to go through a certain process and a work council can be declined okay so i say all that because this is a complex topic Mm -hmm. and you really need somebody on your side a company on your side um, such as global upside that can help you walk through the process of a work council. That makes sense. I wouldn't want to go it alone because you're going to just make way too many mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, Nathan, I think this is a, a fascinating topic. I'm going to make sure that we share your resources and the ways to communicate with the company just to learn more because I think that like you said, there's just so much more that they need to know. And I just want to thank you so very much for joining me today on this podcast. It was definitely a pleasure to have you as my guest and um, look forward to having you on here again. Okay, definitely. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And so listeners, please make sure to join the free resource hub on globig.co. If you're serious about doing business internationally, we've got the Globig International Business, HR, and Data Privacy Management platform that connects you to great international expansion experts like the Global Upside team, and they just make your day-to-day much more productive. So subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts. We'll talk to you soon.